Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as comedian, radio talker, writer, and washerwoman. Founder of Mum's Taxi. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, George McEncrow. Hey. Hello, George. Hello. Welcome. Can I start by asking, in social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Uh, how do I introduce myself? Yes, ma'am. Uh, well, uh, usually by saying, hello, my name's George. Uh, look, it's hard, isn't it? I don't know. I've got so many different things that I seem to be working on all at the same time. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I never really know what quite to say because I also do a lot of teaching still and mm. I've just taken on a big contract doing with this learning education network, uh, sort of doing self-esteem and resilience with teenage girls. So that's another string to my bow. I'm doing adult education and vocational training for girls, uh, not girls, adults in um although a lot of them are women, in uh, what do you call it, events management. be good to remember the name. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I still do a lot of emceeing, a lot of stand-up. I still do quite a lot of writing, still writing, jo- uh, you know, bits and pieces of a family feud and other TV things. So I don't know. I don't know. What do you – I suppose lots of people who work in entertainment – loosely called or we have to have a lot of different um you know means of making Mm. an income so and I, I I love teaching so much too um and a lot of us working you know do stuff for class clowns and for the comedy festival you know helping to raise the comedians who are going to take our jobs that you have to uh be fairly broad I think so um yeah, and, I, and I, I also think I get bored quite quickly. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it depends on who I'm talking to, how interested they are, and how, how long they want to stay around listening to oh, all the different things I'm doing. So, I don't know. I don't know. I just say, yeah, washerwoman, mother of four teenage kids. That's so many primarily in the my, fire. That's my main job. Well, yeah, also, you know, so much of what I do is to fit around being a single mum of four teenagers. So mm. they've got to come first. I try and fit everything in around them. Yeah. That's my answer. <laughs> there, there, are, there are so many moving parts to that answer, George. It's very intriguing. I, I love that you are involved in the, the ongoing replacement of the comedy industry. Um, in your stuff with class clowns, I think that's excellent because we need to encourage those young people. Yes, they're great, and they're such fun classes to do. They're, it's really, it's really great running those workshops and and you know going into schools and having mm, can having kids there with their teachers there, sort of letting them be really rude and naughty with their in their in the constraints of their own classrooms. Yes, um, it's it's always amazing what they come up with. Yeah. I desperately wish something like that was around when I was in high school. Goodness me. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have been punched as much. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a brilliant program. It's um it, it is 
it is just so interesting to see who who comes uh, who comes up with what and what you know what what's funny you know what's funny mm. is always such a big broad question and what's not funny and the kids who who often shine in the sort of high status of a classroom because they're really good looking or they're very tough or they're very intimidating when it comes to writing something that's funny mm. they really they really die in the ass, you know, and, and that's always quite gratifying for the rest of the group <laughs> because the person who's got so much swag who thinks he or she is, you know, Mr. Mr. or Mrs. Cool and then they've got to write something that's actually satirical or has some something that's, you know, got something observed about what's what it is to be a human being and they have to get up and share that in front of the whole class and and... You know, if they've just mucked around for the hour and try to pull it off, it doesn't work. And uh, it's 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 endlessly fascinating. It never ever stops being interesting to me. Yeah, it's great. Wow. Now you also mentioned that you write for Family Feud. Yes. Does that mean that you've written such classic lines as "We'll be right back" and uh, <laughs> "Don't go anywhere"? No. Grant Grant is a very capable uh, MC performer uh, yes. person. Now I get to write the questions like, uh, besides uh, flowers, what else might you put in a bowl? You know, stuff like that. Ooh. That's yeah, yeah. No, it's it's great. And actually, look, it is. It's there's a real knack to it. And when I first started doing it, I really struggled and. Um, but I actually really like it, and I, I, do, I do think Grant Denyer is is very good at his job, and I really love Pam Barnes, who's the executive mm. producer on that. She was my EP when I was on The Circle, yes. and um, she got me to do a lot of field work reporting stories, and I worked with a great crew there. I love being on the couch there with Michelle Laurie and Yumi Steins and yep. Georgie and Chrissy and, you know, they're, they're great mates to this day, particularly Yumi and I um, and Michelle. We sort of remain very close friends. So I've got a lot of great friendships out of that time and um, oh, I really miss that show. It was so much fun doing that show. I just loved it. And so many people that watched it resonate with that as well. So many like remember very fondly the circle, even though now, sadly, it, it ekes off into the distant past. Yeah, yeah, it we it has. It was a really, it was a really great show, and we had great guests, and I think it was really well resourced. I loved all the producers that were segment producers on that show. Mm. It was a great, great crew that Pam built around her, and um, yeah, she was a she was a gun gun EP really fantastic and uh oh it was so sad when it went but you know that's that's the beers isn't it really you just that's why oh. you have to be so multi <laughs> multifaceted <laughs> and ready to jump into the next opportunity that comes along because you know you have to work in be able to work in radio and you have to be able to work on telly and you have to be able to then turn around and write a book i think of people like michelle laurie you know who who does a podcast who's writing a book who is on the project who, you know, mm. is a single mom who you know, does a breakfast radio show, uh, endless, you know, just constantly 
creating her own her own work and her own story all the time. Yeah, and and killing it in that regard too. Someone and killing it. Yeah, just being herself, um, and who is just genuinely an absolutely fabulous person. Just uh, yeah, everything you see, I can tell you, is everything that she is. There's just not one, and I think that is what makes it. I was going to say effortless. It certainly isn't effortless, but <laughs> but it would be so much harder to do that if you weren't really actually being yourself. Um, yeah. You know, that's the beautiful thing about Michelle. She's just, that's who she is. And so if you're being yourself 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it's certainly a lot less effort than trying to be someone you're not. What does time for George look like with all of that going on and, and four teenagers <laughs> to raise and kick about? Where's your time? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! <laughs> doesn't exist. Ridiculous notion. Oh, someone else asked me the Oh, I nearly wet my pants. <laughs> oh, it doesn't. It just doesn't. It's <laughs> this. This. This is the. This is the. Uh, this is the time. This is the night time. This is the time between uh, getting the kids to school because it was too wet for them to ride their bikes, and then we were nearly. We were late because. Like their shoes they left out in the rain and so I had to write uniform passes at the last minute. Uh, and, yeah, starting at 6.30, um, yeah, I'll hit the sack at about midnight. I'll probably be woken up once or twice during the night by various people with various things on their minds and then we go again um, and starting this business. So, look, you know, it's my time. <laughs> I've ever talked about work-life balance. I just think, are you fucking serious? Um, no, look, good on you if you have it. Good, good. I don't know how. I, lo- I, I don't know. I don't. I, I just think that's so good. I know I'll get to be one of those people one day, but honestly, I don't know how you do it. I don't. Uh, I, I see people doing it. I see people locking in time for themselves. Um, yeah, so if I need to go to the GP, that's kind of downtime. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing like a, a relaxing pap smear for a bit of uh, R&R. That's about as <laughs> <laughs> much as I get. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's that's it. I, I just can't. I have my people who do uh, get it. I don't know how they fit it in, but it's something I've got to work on. I have to find a way to, to get some because I, mm-hmm. I hear it's there. It's it's a it's a possible thing to achieve but I don't know many single mums who find it and it's something I just go well eventually I'll get it I just don't know how or when or what I'd do with it but I know I know theoretically it exists and it's a possibility yeah Yeah. but I get really bored too like even you know yeah I I like it when my when my ex has the kids or the like my, my sons go to see him, my daughter doesn't. But when they go, I just sort of go, I, I could have planned to do something, but then I just end up like doing washing or <laughs> I don't know. I just think, or I read or I watch episodes like oh, episodes of Nurse Jackie and think, oh, sort of would be good if I had some Oxycontin in the house. 
Is that what it's called? I don't know. Whatever she's on, that looks like fun. Yeah. But then it doesn't look like fun. All the rehab stuff doesn't look like fun. But no, you know. But that, that's always the way when it comes to any kind of habit addiction or otherwise is that the thing at the time allegedly is quite cool. Yeah. But getting off it, not great. Yeah, and I don't like what did to her nose either. That really bad mm. nose blade looks unpleasant. But the drifting off into nothingness, it's kind of appealing. <laughs> yeah, but then you have to come Maybe. back. Maybe. Maybe that's your opportunity. Yeah, if, maybe. If, you know, just something else for you to do in your spare time is set up a cafe that just puts little dashes of that stuff into oh. some teas and coffees. Well, it would and be, just lets parents chill. It would be good, but I did. Ha- I've had to go on this drug. I had a brain aneurysm um, stent. At, like I got diagnosed with a brain aneurysm at the last year. I know. Well, lucky really, because I was getting these <laughs> terrible migraines, and I had to go and have an MRI, and they found I had this brain aneurysm, which was just an incidental find. It didn't stop the headaches, oh, but they found the aneurysm, which actually is incredibly fortunate because I mm. would have been, you know, would have died if they hadn't found it or had a massive stroke or, you know, something terrible. So good news. But the drugs they've put me on have really put me off drinking. So I can't even enjoy what was, got to be said, one of my great releases and pastimes and, and um, again, you know, one of the little pleasures of uh, mm. single parenthood was like get the kids away pull out a couple of bottles of red or I can't you know if I I'd, like if I do drink I remember very quickly why I don't anymore so I go, oh that's right I can't because of this bloody drug that I'm on but still anyway but it's good I was very lucky very lucky to have found it and um yeah all sorted that's all the, yeah that's a very serious moment in your life like that oh by the way could have died we can fix it Yes, very lucky. Very confronting when they put it to you. Like it, these neurosurgeons don't muck around. They just, he just said, and it was the week I had to put the house on the market, so we're losing the family home. Oh, My daughter had two exams to go, so I couldn't tell the kids what was going on. And he said, look, here's the picture, here's what it is. Um, so go home, don't lift anything, don't let your blood pressure get too high because we still oh. have to do some further testing, but you will have to write your will. So, um, but you can't, I was like, okay, so I can't tell my children. I can't tell anyone. I do have to put the house on the market. Um, so I'm going to have a whole bunch of real estate agents through the house and, you know, people cleaning it up and doing all sorts of things. So, yeah, that was a stressful week and my daughter had two more exams to go and that wasn't fun. That wasn't fun. I'm prepared to go on the record as saying that was a less than fun week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least you had the opportunity, you know, at, before the medication to then crack what? a bottle of wine and write your will. <laughs> well, then I was really scared of doing everything, you know, because yeah. I was like, it couldn't, and I had all this stuff to do. You know how much effort it is to sell a house? But anyway, yeah. doesn't matter. Got it done. It all, it all worked out. Yeah. Yeah. It all worked out. Yeah. Good. Nothing to worry about. It's all G, mate. It's all G. <laughs> <laughs> yes, fine. Yeah. Have another Great. one. Have two. Have yeah. three. Have ten annuals. Take one of my breasts. Eggs, I'm not mate. using them anymore. Nah. <laughs> the is not funny. Yeah, it's not funny. Just... Shit. But lucky. I was very lucky. Is an aneurysm? Um, is that a 
blood clot or is it an actual, it's an aneurysm is a thing in itself? Uh, the aneurysm is a weakening of the lining of the vessel. So it's a ballooning of the vessel um, in the, of the art, one of the arteries that run into the brain. So mine was right behind my right eye. And so it's a really tricky place to get to, but they're far more common than people think, like about 3% of people will have a, an aneurysm and yeah. often you won't know that you've got one, um, but they can be quite strong genetic, you know, factor. Like if you've got a history of people who in your family who, you know, good old Auntie Peg just had a stroke one day and dropped dead, chances are she she might have had an aneurysm. Like in days before we had MRIs and things yeah. where we just no one knew we couldn't we couldn't see what was going on in the brain um so yeah they're 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 quite common but my guy reckons i probably had mine since birth um and luckily i have quite low blood pressure so i was i was very fortunate to find it because if it had ruptured i would have definitely i wouldn't have known anything else about it george all this experience with emergency medical procedures must have given you some great questions for family feud <laughs> Not as many as you would think. You've got to keep the feud questions quite light, tight, and bright. You know, Grant doesn't want to be getting into serious, um, serious questions about aneurysms on a, on a family time slot like that. He, you know, that, that's an that's an uplifting show. Um, yeah. You know, not give us a word that rhymes with aneurysm. You, know, you don't want you don't want that. You've got to have, you know, what's a word that rhymes with bell? You know, that's the that's that's how you you keep it going. A rhyme that word that rhymes with death. That's actually quite hard. Meth yeah. would be acceptable. Um, I don't. Yeah, no. I think you, you've got to be you've got to be keeping it very very shiny and uh, and bright on a show like The Feud. Do you watch it? I, I have done. Yeah, quite enjoyed. My my daughter absolutely loves it. Oh, it's so much fun, and I've had you know my, my cousins went on it too. No, no corruption. No, 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 no. Didn't even know they were going to be on. So we're all clean. <clears throat> they are. Um, I've got these cousins who just seem to get on all the shows. They were on Deal or No Deal. Um, remember that one that Cordelia Francis is that her name? The redhead one. The weakest link. Good yes, fun. yes. But my cousin won. Uh, a lot of money on that show. Nice. Yeah. So they've all done they're game show hogs. I don't know. What you, they're good at it though. They win. They win coin. They're fantastic. Well, that's good. It's fun to see people win money, particularly when they are good TV talent in that regard. You know, they're willing to go on and you yeah. know, be funny and engaging and say the stupid things. And Yeah. And they're really good people and they're school teachers. So, you know, they're never going to make you know, a good chunk oh, of cash yeah. unless they go do something like that or rob a bank. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather them go on a game show than uh, hit up hit up the illegal syndicate. That would be better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. George, what's your superpower? Oh, I think my superpower is convincing children to do things that they don't want to do without them knowing that that's what they <laughs> wanted to do in the first yes. place. Yeah. So my superpower would be like when my kids were little and they'd, they'd think they didn't want to go to bed but before they knew it. So this was what I could do. I'd be right. Um, so 
do you want a glass of milk or water before you go to bed? And they'd think the fight they were going to have was about whether or not they went to bed, but before they knew it, they were in bed choosing between water or milk. Yes. You know, it was like for dinner, do you want broccoli or spinach? And they'd be going, oh, like the non-choice. That was my, that's my superpower. Yeah. For sure. That is my superpower. Crafting those questions are, you know, that's a, that's a real skill of a teacher though. Oh, yeah, look, that's true. And even with teaching, I think my superpower was making kids who were not very good academically feel like they were still loved by me as a human. That's, mm. that's um, you know, being able to love the kid regardless of the, you know, the, re- the results they were bringing into the classroom was the other thing. And, it, you know, it, as a footy coach as well, like trying to find something that kids were doing well um, is is my skill, I think. I think that's that's the thing, finding something good for, from people. Um, yeah, I, I think that's that's what I like to do and that's what people respond to, I think. And, and as a stand-up as well, you know, building rapport with people um, by making yourself the idiot and then feel yes. like the, the hero of the piece. <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if you, you know Greg Sullivan very well, yes. the stand-up comic, and um, he was my co-host on Triple M and he used to say this a lot and it was very true that as a comedian you only need three great skills. You need, you know, likability, likability and likability and... I think that, you know, when we were doing stand-up together, I used to think about that a lot. Like he was a very likeable comedian and mostly because he was so kind to his audience and so um, so that I've seen a lot of comics who can be very, very sharp and very, very funny but not very likeable and so even though people would, have a good time but they were – well, the ones I really like are the really warm ones, you know, Mm. even if – they're very like Will Anderson. I think is one of the warmest comics um, yep. going around, and and Michelle Laurie again. You know, very funny, but also enormously warm. Um, yes. So yeah, I don't know. I think I think that warmth is the is the key to um, to everything you do, or it's certainly the thing. It's probably my strong suit. I reckon. Um, yeah. As a parent, as a teacher, yeah. What as a comic, I reckon it's yeah. It's, you're lucky if you if you get if you've got that. I think it's hard for people who don't have it. Busting out a little bit of what's your name? What do you do at footy practice? It go down all right. Yeah, that's right. It does. It really does. It, it you know, and it well, it helps to build a relationship then, and then you're not then mm. you're not forced to use power over people. Yep. Like you know, once you've got a relationship with the people you're working with. I don't know. I guess it's collaboration as opposed to bossing people around, you know. Yep. It's, just, I don't know. it's a – yeah, I prefer to have a sort of a shoulder-to-shoulder approach as opposed to you must do this and you must do that. Um, we've all got to work together. Yeah, it's fun, fun being a footy coach. There's not a lot of mum footy coaches about. No, I was the, I was the only mum – I was the only woman football coach of teenage boys – um, in Australia, when I started, I think there'll be more. There are certainly more women coaching girls now, um, but 
it's also good to see women coaching boys and I think I think that's that that's got to happen as well you know I've got to say mm. some blokes didn't like it like when I beat some of these male no. these teams some coaches refused to shake my hand I'm not kidding it's crazy it's like, under 14s football, you know, you're serious, pal. You're serious. You can't shake my hand. You're so you're so upset. <laughs> and I also even had in my own club men say to me, how, how do you think the boys are going to cope with having a woman in a position of authority? I go, <laughs> are you serious? Who, who do you think teaches them all day, mate? Like, who, who do you think popped them out of their vagina? <laughs> Who do you think made them? What do you think is going to happen? And I could not get an assistant coach. I could not get a bloke to assist coach. Gosh. gosh. Yeah. And I had one guy who came down for a while to try and help me and I'd put out all the cones for, um, you know, for an exercise, for a drill before Mm. and he would, no matter where I put the cones, he would have to touch them and shift them. It's like he was spraying his scent on the cones. <laughs> it used to crack me up. I used to say to the boys sometimes, hey, watch, watch, wait for him to come down and watch him. And they'd just go, okay, okay. And then we'd watch him do it. No matter where I'd put them, he'd have to just touch them, everyone. Just, oh. I've now marked the cones. I've yeah. now removed the estrogen. It's poison oh. from them. And now it's there's a hell of a lot of lessons for you boys to see, really, isn't there? Watching this guy and then having explained why is he doing that? Why? Because he was insane in the membrane. <laughs> insane in the brain. Oh, it was hilarious. But yeah, it, it was um, it was a real lesson. It was a real lesson in um, watching you know some some guys who, who were totally comfortable and it wasn't the boys who the boys had no problem with it at all yeah none they just could not have given a fat rat's ass but some of the the men not the younger dads but some of the older dads like 45 plus really struggled with it yeah so interesting i think those days are gone i think they're dying Oh, I hope they are. I mean, I think sadly, they really are, Steve. I really do. Over the weekend, we've just seen two incidences. One uh, in a verbal situation referring to something that happened a week ago with some fairly high-profile people. And in Sydney at a junior rugby league game, um, a, a trainer for a team ran on the ground and, and smacked the ref, a teenage ref, in the head because he didn't like – and the kid went to hospital for it. Like this, yeah. People are insane about. Oh, look! I watching people, parents go berserk at teenagers who are refing games. That stuff is so so ridiculous. And those parents, they need they need therapists. They need Mm. at every ground. We shouldn't just have extra refs. We should have psychs standing by and just saying. You you need lots of help. You are a very mm. sad, sad man and you are in crisis and you need someone to lock you up and have a good look at, look at you <clears throat> because you think this matters. You yeah. think, you think right now your whole body, 
I bet if you took a test of their cortisol levels, like their stress levels, oh. and hooked them up to a heart monitor, yeah, you would, they the would their body would be reacting like someone who was in a war zone. Yeah, it yeah. would be. They think that they are in <clears throat> peril, genuine physical peril. There's a story there. I mean, I actually do quite seriously feel sorry for them because there's mm. some unresolved trauma that they're reliving. But they need to be smacked so hard and they need to be sent away by the clubs. And, look, this is the really hard thing about junior sport too is that the clubs run on volunteers. It's very hard yeah. to assert authority. As for those other two profile people, um, yeah, Mr Maguire needs to have a very good long look at himself and the AFL needs to come down incredibly firmly um, and Triple M needs to have a really good long look at themselves as well. I mean, they were hosting Mark Latham spewing forth his hatred and vitriol on Rosie Batty and yeah. on his podcast and I wrote quite a long piece about that for the Sydney Morning Herald. I, I, I think anyone who wants to have a bash at Rosie Batty I think is just again, needs to sit down with someone and have a really big, long look about what what is going on with them when they want to attack yeah. a woman whose child has been murdered. I don't I, – and is somehow trying to make her the villain of a piece. I don't understand how disturbed you have to be to want to make her somehow a villain. I, I really don't know how yep. manipulative you have to be to make the victim the bully in that scenario, I, I, honestly. And, and to host that person on your show and to somehow be – and the AFL to prop up Triple M and for Triple M yeah. to be somehow campaigning for White Ribbon and to be hosting these misogynistic views – and and beating the drum on one hand for these crazy men's rights activists and um, holding views that are just so toxic and outdated and dangerous. Yeah, but it's the number one breakfast show in Melbourne, so there's nothing going to happen. Well, it might be number one if people if it doesn't get to host the football. And the AFL has a really strong right. position here. I mean, the AFL could say, "Sorry, guys, you blew it." Yeah. You either get with the times or you don't and we'll give – you'll lose your rights to, to call the football. I mean, the it AFL be, actually could do that. Yes, and it would be unprecedented for them to do it. However, it's getting to the point of being necessary. Well, yeah, you've got the power. Someone else will put their hand up, give it to SEN and take it away from Triple M and just say, sorry, you had it for a really long time. You've got some really talented football callers there but – you actually just – you've got to just grow up and you're done. See ya. Thanks for, thanks for coming. Here's your hat. Watch your hurry out the door. And that wouldn't that send a message? Yeah. You just can't keep the boys' club rolling. It's um, – it's, something's got to give. And these girls, these girls playing need it. They need yes. a non-toxic atmosphere to thrive. It's ludicrous. There are so many – well, I'll say so many, all of the samples of things that I've seen admittedly have been on social media. Mm. However, so many angry men responding to people. I haven't seen an angry woman respond yet and say, it's not an issue. Eddie has nothing to apologize for. It's all, it's all guys. It's a non-issue. It was said in jest, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
I'm just amazed. And mind you, it, it, we we understand that television is a medium that needs to have some controversy. It thrives on having counterpoint views and discussion and, there, and that sort of thing. Uh, because Eddie is, has a great relationship with Nine. He was on the Today Show. We're recording on uh, the Monday morning that he apologised, if we want to call it that. Yeah. Um, good old Sunrise, Channel 7, had Darren Hinch and Pauline Hanson talking about it. And yeah. uh, to quote Pauline Hanson, she saw nothing wrong with it. And, uh, in fact, we should probably drown all journalists. <laughs> Suddenly she's an equal opportunity hater. She say that? Yes, oh, yes. fucking hell. Oh, she is golden. Well, there you go. Which is the candidate for Queensland, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Queensland, come on. It's not your fault. Um, bless her. Look, she's been she's she should be in the new Orange is the New Black. She'd be so good <laughs> in that. Get Ruby Rose out and get her in. Um oh. Look, what can you say? You know, she, she's she's not the sharpest tool in the shed, but she uses what she's got to the best she can. Um, it, it's a vile thing to have said. It was horrific mm. and, um, uh, you know, it, it was really a disturbing, a very disturbing image. And I think Caroline Wilson has done extraordinarily well to have, to have written about sport and to have been in that boys' club for so long. And she, she, nothing sticks to us. She just keeps barreling on and yeah. uh, but you know uh, the idea of all those men holding a woman underwater till she's dead is a really horrific image i don't care which way you paint it yeah. when i heard it it made my blood run cold i just thought yuck and, and the crazy thing is this is not the first time that that uh, certainly specific afl game. players yeah the, the team out. yeah that's right yeah no they hate her they hate her because she's a woman who won't shut up know your place shut up or we'll keep coming at you, and we'll come at, come at you for your sexuality. Or we will we will mock you and ridicule you because you should shut up, woman. Stay down, and that's part of the reason why I think Mark Latham hates Rosie Batty. Yeah. We did the worst thing that could happen to you, and you will not lay down and die. Shut up, go away. Shut up, go away. Don't hold the mirror to us. Don't join in this yeah. conversation. This is. This is the bar. This is the boardroom. Shut up. Leave us alone. We don't want to be. You're not welcome here. And she mm. keeps not getting it. She keeps bouncing back. And if she just go away and be quiet, there wouldn't be a problem. She won't. So <laughs> there's a problem. Um, but I love her, and I yeah. think it's time we say to women, no, we're not going. These guys have to understand we're not going anywhere. We're here, yes. we're 50% of the population and it's time the patriarchy finally kind of got used to it. you got to make room, guys. We're here. Yeah, elbows yeah. out, ladies. Yeah, elbows out, elbows out. There's plenty of room for everybody and mm. um, we all just want to get along. So no need to be scared. It's all okay. We don't want uh, any more than our share, Eddie. It's all fine. It's all going to be just fine. Come on, have a have a cuddle, big guy. You got plenty. Come on, bring it in. Bring it in. Just banter. Just banter. Just banter. (laughs) The insecurity must be terrifying. Put on your suit of armor and go to work. Gosh. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, darling. George, what are you going to achieve in the next twelve months? 
Well, I will, in the next 12 months, have my mum's taxi up and running. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that'll be a women's only rideshare company. So it'll be women drivers picking up just women passengers. And uh, that'll be fantastic. That'll be operating in Melbourne and Sydney. And right. hope, hopefully uh, Brisbane as well. I'm, I've met with the Deputy Transport Minister there where... I'm hoping to get something up and running there and um, hopefully we'll be in Perth too, hopefully South Australia. I've had some, you know, contacts in New Zealand. They're keen to get me over there as well. So I'm still looking for funds. It's a very expensive or, you know, I think I'm the first entrepreneur on a healthcare card to be uh, taking on people like um, James Packer and Uber and... <laughs> people but so the GoFundMe page is still very much in uh, in need of some love but yeah yeah that's that's my plan is to is to get that up and running and it's really exciting it's really huge and um, I'm very much looking forward to to getting that up and going and um, yeah getting lots of women into the transport industry and getting girls home safe at night. That's excellent. We're going to have to touch base again, George, and talk more about that because I think that's a really not only amazing idea but an important, uh, sadly necessary idea that there's a ton of things that we can discuss. But So we're happy to, to rain-check that conversation for another episode. I would love to do that. That would be great. That would be wonderful. George, thank you so much for the chance to speak with you today. Please know the things that you said are very special and you're highly valued. Thank you. Oh, darling, thank you. I love your guts. Yeah, the the feeling is more than mutual. Aww. <laughs> Obviously, you're a tweeting person uh, on occasion. Are there other social media accounts you would want people to know about? No, they're all private. They're all part yeah. of the dark net. No, I, I'm um, <laughs> I'm just on Facebook and and Twitter. So that's where you can. I don't know how to do Instagram. My daughter mm. keeps trying to tell me, but I, I I don't know. But you can you can check me out on Facebook and and Twitter and and do follow do follow me. Tra la la. I'm fun to follow through the woods. <laughs> This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at George McEncrow is indeed human. <laughs> Tra la la.